Hi and welcome to the Calm Edge Rebels podcast. I'm Jenny Field. I'm Advita Patel. I'm Trudy Lewis. Hello and welcome to season three, episode one. We have now gone weekly. How lucky are all you wonderful people? Not only have we gone weekly, but we've also changed the format of the podcast. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about one of our usual topics. And in this one, it's women in leadership. But we're also adding a new news format to each episode where we're going to cover a topic of the week. And this week, we're going to focus on Jenny Field. And she's just launched her new book, Influential Internal Communications. So how do you feel, Jenny? (laughs) Oh, it's a bit surreal. It's a bit surreal. And we had the book launch this week. So um, that was even more weird, having to do that from home and not in a venue in London where we probably would have been in normal circumstances. (laughs) And I think I'm just chuffed to say that I've got a best friend who's written a book. (laughs) (laughs) I'm literally like clinging on to Jenny's coattails. I've got a best friend who's written a book. That's right. You'll see us when we can get to bookshops. You'll see us kind of taking your book and putting it to the front. (laughs) We'll go and reorganise it in Waterstones so it's on that table. (laughs) So Jenny, what was your motivation for writing this book? So the motivation was that I fundamentally believe if people in any role knew a bit more about communication and understood people better, then work would be a much better place. And that's why I wrote the book, because I thought if I can help anyone in any role just understand a little bit more about people, communication and my model to help people go from chaos to calm, then it would help make work a a better place. Well, we know, but... For everybody else, who is the book for? So it's for both business leaders and communication professionals. So it's it's written for both audiences, which made it a little tricky at certain times. But for anyone that's leading a team, anyone that's maybe running a small business, running a medium business, running a large business, or if you're working in communications, which can, for those in internal comms, can be quite an isolated role. So hopefully a helpful guide to those as well. Gosh. Love it. You know what I loved? Uh, I know we had a, a, a plenty of discussions about what to call your model <laughs> that's in your book, which is called the field model. And you're not going to believe this, those of you who are listening, that it took a bit of persuasion to get Jenny to actually call it the field model. Uh, yeah. But I love that model. And I think it's such a simplistic way of trying to understand how to go from chaos to calm. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, it's like a proper interview for our first know, music. Really? I know, really. I feel so professional. I, feel, I really feel really professional here. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, so the model has three phases. It's understand, diagnose and fix. I always use the medical analogy, which is that you can understand you've got a headache uh, and you would need to diagnose that by understanding the root cause of the headache and then you can fix it. So otherwise you'd just be taking a painkiller because you've got a headache, but that's just treating the symptoms and you can apply that same theory to organizations. So it's about helping you get to the root cause to fix things for the longer term. So I I found the book really great. And in terms of how you sort of do that thing of going into theory and practical, and it's a nice balance throughout the whole book around it. So definitely encouraging everybody to, to get a copy. But how did you find that experience trying to to bring balance throughout the whole book as a as a new a new book writer? 
I think anyone that's read it, and you've both said this, I can hear you saying this <laughs> when you're reading the pages. And I think that there's a bit of that in there. You can certainly hear me, me talking about it. But so often when I'm talking about comms, I'm referencing a model that I've read here or an anecdote from somewhere else. And for me, that's just a really natural way of, of talking about what we do. So I didn't find that too hard. The referencing I found hard because I did put things in and then have to go and remember where I'd read them from. And sometimes that is that is tricky. So the referencing caught me out a couple of times. But thanks to my publishers, there is everything is referenced. So it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I I absolutely love how we can hear you in the book. And I think that's a trick. You know, the books that really capture my attention and enthusiasm around it. So, you know, so I, 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 I mean, those of you who read my blog stuff will know that I actually have made Jenny's book as part of my kit that I give out to people uh, when they get coaching with me. And not because she's a good friend of mine. <laughs> I mean, that does count obviously but the fact that I truly believe in this book and you know if you have read it it'll be brilliant to know and I'm sure Jenny would really appreciate it as well if you could let us know what you enjoyed about that book because I do feel like when we were sat in Vancouver 18 months ago and when we were kind of helping you plot out that that, um, how do you say content plan content plan overview yeah yeah and what is this I think one of your briefs and what you said to us is that you just want something that people can just pick up read and then deliver right so you don't need to do anything else with it and I suppose for those budding authors that are out there who have got something they really want to get off the chest and put it out there where do you where would you say is step one I know you I mean not everybody can go off to Vancouver (laughs) and sit in an apartment (laughs) drinking gin eating Cheetos Cheetos. and planning the content (laughs) But where would you say is that step one? When did you kind of get that idea and thought, you know what, I'm, I'm, I know I want to do this and this is how I'm going to do it? So I got the idea when I worked with Janet Murray on my business and, and Janet helped me come to the sort of chaos to calm theory. And then the, I remember coming home from that and then scribbling down, understand, diagnose and fix. And then the model was born. And, and as Janet and I were working together for that afternoon, when we had the chaos to calm she said very throwaway this could be a talk this could be a book this could be anything and it was a very throwaway comment and I I didn't really have a huge intention of writing a book at that time but it it all sort of fell into place once I'd had that conversation and I think knowing I knew of Kogan Page I had a a, a tiny relationship with them because I'd read a few of their books already so that was where I went because I thought I don't know how to write a book I can write blog posts and I can write you know, copy and other things like that. But writing a book is very different. So having their support and guidance was really important to me so that I did it properly. Hmm. So what was your most favourite part of the whole experience? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, this is a girly. Uh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Come on. So <laughs> I think probably the most favourite part was finishing it and <laughs> realising that I'd, I'd absolutely got it done. I, the and I think genuinely that is it. Finishing it is the best part because writing it, there are is such a, an up and down process because there'll be gaps in it. You need to plug, and then you both know I'd have times of I just I'm really really stuck, and we jump on a Zoom call, and you'd help me work through my thinking. And so yeah, the best part is definitely 
finishing it. I know. Well, somebody who's trying to write, e.g. me, trying to write uh, a 3,000 assignment right now, I honestly <laughs> bow down to you that you've managed Absolutely. to Absolutely. How yeah, many words was it? 50,000 words, it's was six, it? Uh, 60,000. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like I, I can't even imagine. No, I really honestly can't. I mean, I am struggling with a 3,000-word assignment. So where you got the kind of energy and enthusiasm to write 60,000 words in a year, it was a year, right? Yeah, August to August, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and it doesn't even feel like, you know, when you read some books and you're like, oh, my God, I don't know if anybody does this, but I, I kind of like skim. Like I'll read the first chapter, yeah. I'll skim, I go to the end chapter, and then I'm an expert. And that's, that'll, <laughs> that, that'll be funny when you when you hear one of our future episodes. <laughs> it's got no context whatsoever right now. <laughs> but I, I, you know, so if you had to give our listeners, whether they're working comms, whether they're working business, whether they're working whatever field, what are the top two takeaways if you had to summarize your book or top three okay I really feel like we should have prepped for this <laughs> <laughs> so my top three takeaways would be the first one would be around chaos I talk a lot about chaos in organizations the book has a whole chapter on that and it helps you understand the difference between chaos and toxic chaos and how it can impact organizations so that would be number one Number two would be the fact that the book is very practical. So it's got information in it that will help you apply the model to all different elements of chaos that can hit an organization. So it's a very practical guide in a kind of table format that will help you implement something straight away. So they're probably the two sort of takeaways for me, which are chaos and then how to apply it. Amazing. Brilliant. And so, you know, after this experience and, you know, writing the book and pulling together all this great material, what's next? I have a couple of other books in my head, one of which is with you, Trudy, in terms of our thinking around organisations. I wasn't included. It's no. <laughs> <laughs> just not so much your area of interest. <laughs> And then the third book is All of Us Together, actually, and it links nicely, actually, into this episode, which is Women in Leadership. But it's it's going to be around women in leadership. We're just trying to work out the best way of, of gathering case studies and, and doing that. So, yeah, watch this space. Brilliant. Well, I think, you know, if you haven't got Jenny's book on your list to buy, definitely get it on there. And I'm weird. I, I am definitely not saying this because I'm biased. It's genuinely one of the best books I have read when it comes to communicating effectively in your business, regardless of who you are and what role you play. So definitely get it. I almost think there's a petition for Jenny to do an audio book around this because every every company, like we did the virtual launch, didn't we, last yeah. week, a couple of days ago, and somebody on there said, have you got an audio version? Because I do think we're in that world, aren't we, that people now want to listen to you. And obviously, you've got, I, I've said this for a long time, but I do believe that Jenny's got like a really good presenting voice. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be great to kind of get that on audiobook. So if that's, I know you're in, are you in talks, Jenny, shall we say? Are you well, in I'm, I'm in talks. <laughs> I have emailed my publisher to say, please, can we talk about this again? I have, I asked right from the beginning. It's to do with rights and different bits and pieces like that. So I'll keep asking and Worst case, I'll sit here and just record it and we'll just do a special podcast series of Jenny's book. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see chapter. Could... It'd be great. Yeah. 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 You could do it like that BBC, that BBC nighttime, that BBC programme, all the parents go wild over, you know, they get the celebs. Oh, like the Jack and Ori thing. Or the Jack and Ori thing. Yeah. We had that really good looking yeah, guy from Yeah, Bridgerton. Tom Hardy, like wasn't that. it? Oh, they had Tom Hardy and they also had that Reggie, what is his name, from Bridgerton. Oh, dear. Yeah, um, we're digressing, we're digressing, yeah. but... <laughs> 
but it would be good if you could just if it could if we could do something like that and kind of just feature a chapter and have a chat about it yeah, well, yeah. Them and see so when everybody do. out there buys the book and reads it they can just perhaps tell us which one which chapter they'd love to hear more about oh do you, do you know what we should do we should do and and if you all think who are listening who've got James book thinks a great idea let's do a virtual book club oh, yeah do, I was I'm thinking about doing that let's do that that would be amazing so let us know if you're interested in uh joining a virtual book club discussing Jenny's book then drop us a dm on our socials because it'll be really good to do something we could probably do it live do a live great stream time. yeah mm. and, we'll, and we'll be me and Trude can do the proper preparation asking questions because I do I am <laughs> yeah. I'm channeling my inner what's the what's that presenter's name Kate Silverton Kate, Katie Silverton. The BBC one. The BBC one, yeah. Of course. Oh, maybe, or maybe Ranveer Singh. I should really Ranveer. go with a woman who yeah. looks like me, maybe. <laughs> Representation <laughs> matters. And then maybe, maybe we can prep Jenny a bit more. So yeah, next time. So yeah. put on the spot. Marvelous. Brilliant. Well, I really hope you enjoyed this little news segment. Let us know what you think. We'll be doing this weekly. So if you've got any topics you want us to talk about, please do let us know. We're going to now lead into our conversation about women in leadership. So we really hope you enjoy it. If you want to find out more about how you can work with us, you can visit our website, which is calmedgedrebels.com. Here you can find out more about each of us individually, and it will also give you links to our own websites, which are colinear.co for Trudy, commsrebel.com for Advita, and Redefining Comms for me, Jenny. You can also follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Carmage Rebels, and you can also follow us individually on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So if you do want to work with us around communications consulting, coaching, or workshops, please do get in touch. So in this episode, I really want to talk about women in leadership. It's a topic that I think has been talked about forever. And as someone that has been in leadership positions and someone that identifies as a woman, there have been some real changes for me in terms of my perception uh, around gender in the workplace. Now, for years, I never really thought there was a, a kind of an issue around it. I never really felt like I was being treated any differently. But over the last probably two, three years, that has definitely shifted, whether that's just because I've become more vocal, whether it's because I've had more senior positions. But there's definitely been a change that I can see now as a woman where I have been treated differently because of that. And I also know that the three of us have a lot of women who inspire us, who are in leadership positions, and we've talked about them in the previous season as well. So I just really wanted to have a conversation about some of the challenges we might have experienced. We talk a lot as the three of us about whether our challenges are about gender, whether they're about race, whether they're about age, like whatever it might be. So just really interested to know what your experiences are, good or bad, of being a woman in leadership. Great question. Great question, Jenny. And I think, you know, I'm a bit like you. I didn't really think about it when I was building my career. I was so focused in delivering good work to be recognized for the work I was doing and I didn't really think about my gender and I didn't even think about race or think about any of that kind of stuff at the time and I've spoken about this quite openly in previous kind of conversations we've had anyway and if I really think about it and I I am kind of now wondering was it because it did exist is why and it's the reason why I had I worked the way I worked Mm -hmm. like you know to prove my worth 
And I just chose to ignore it because it's amazing how much you can just filter out, right, when you don't want to address it. And we've spoken about that before, haven't we, about how you can just ignore certain things and you can pretend it's not existing. And I think for me, when I when we did our reflection episode, when we reflect back on regrets and all that, I did. It got me thinking about a lot of the stuff that had happened in my career. And I do think there are elements of behaviours that I probably wouldn't accept today, the person that I am today. And I do think, again, it's because we have, altogether, three of us, I think we're at that age. And I'm not saying that we're like 100 or <laughs> yeah. you know, not, not like, you know, 100 Speak odd years yourself. old. <laughs> but I think we've got to that stage in our careers where we're really comfortable with who we are and we're recognising what we what really resonates with us and mm-hmm. what doesn't resonate with us. And we're pretty confident now in calling out some poor behaviours without thinking too much about the impact it's going to have on us as individuals when we used to work in-house for example and I think we're at that stage but if I'm really honest I do think there were definitely situations in my past careers where I was treated my gender was taken in play and treated very differently from the men in the room things like you know how you doing comms girls today one of my ex-bosses was the only Head of comms was the only woman in the leadership, t- well, the only person, sorry, and the only woman who didn't have a director title in this leadership team, such as head of. And there was an opportunity to speak at a European event and the programme director got approached and he, he couldn't do it. So he put the offer out to the rest of the team and said, anybody in the team wants to step in my place and feel free to do so. And I remember my boss coming back saying, oh, I really want to do this. You know, it'd be great for me and da 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 you know. And she was a communicator and she was really eloquent and she spoke really well. And I said, go with it. Like compared to the other people on the programme, you'd be absolutely amazing. So I remember her dropping a note to the programme director talking about it, tell, saying to him, sorry, that I want to do it. And this other director came, stood behind her, and he, and he said, what, what are you doing? And, and she said, oh, I'm, I'm just saying that I want to go and speak at this event. And he went, <laughs> you? Uh, I don't think so. Like, who who do you think? Like, really? You're not in a director. And also, it's not that kind of event where you would be, like, you know, going on stage in front of all these engineers and all these kind of technical experts. And I was just like, you know, we just a bit aghast. And I was like... Mm. Would he have actually said that if it was a man who said, I want to be going on stage and talking at this event? Like, he's just his audacity, I think, more than anything. In an open plan office, without a second thought about what he's saying out loud, not only did he make her feel like this, like, tiny, 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 but also, like, he just didn't even see where he had gone wrong. And this is this is somebody I would would have called a friend of the team, mm. really supportive, really, you know, we used to have a banter, as I called it. But I remember that moment and I remember her face falling and feeling like, oh, then I won't do it. You know, like just mm. and I just thought, God, what a terror. Like, and that's when I think that's when I started to kind of think to myself, oh, my goodness, like we live in such a sexist, misogynist society at times that the men don't even re- think about what they're saying publicly in a in to a woman who is trying to carve a name for herself in mm. this kind of world so yeah that story is just it, it's always been at the back of my mind that story and I just because I just remember the crestfallen face yeah of my boss and yeah so yeah I do think it does exist and it's it's sad really how we do have to cover certain things up and, and she she covered up right so she laughed it off yeah she's a bit like, oh yeah it is okay and and then after he went it was a bit like I can't believe can't believe he said that but, but it's interesting, yeah. isn't it, that you 
we're, we're sort of so programmed to not say anything at the time. Like you said, we just kind of laugh it off and just carry on. And even though the three of us are fairly confident women, there's definitely been instances for me where I just ignore it and, and carry on and, and don't call it out. And I think we, I think we are a bit conditioned to just accept it yeah. and just take it as that's how it is. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. And I mean, you know, just going back to your original question, you know, does it exist and what is our experience? And I I think I've kind of created a little bubble for myself where I a bit like Advita. I used to wonder if that was about me being a woman, if that was about my my race or whatever. But I used to be in this bubble that said, I'm I'm just gonna ignore it and move on. You know, I'm going to kind of not let it stop me, not let it slow me down. If that person doesn't like me, tough. You know, I don't really, I'm not going to let it upset me in any way. However, had I been your boss, <laughs> I would probably have really done exactly what she did, which is back off. And I think the it's the subtleness of it, really. And I'm, I'm a bit older than both of you. And I'm coming from the school where men were just naturally a little bit more abrasive and a bit more direct and you know, it was all about, you know, kissing you on the cheek and actually being very, very open about how not as equal to them that you are. Wow. <laughs> you know, and it was a lot more, and especially in a society. So I'm talking about when I was living in Jamaica and there, again, quite old school generally. Um, so it was common practice to just be quiet and not really say anything. And if it bothered you, you know, you thought to yourself, do you know, I just want to get ahead. Why would I bother to argue about this particular thing, even if it hurt your feelings or set you back? You just you just ignored it. And I think that's wrong. I especially nowadays, the more and more that I grow in working in business and, and so on, and I see what's happening in society, is the more I'm like, you know, that's that's totally wrong. It was wrong to put up with it, and I should have said more. And where you saw, you know, like when you see your friends going through stuff and you kind of could have stepped in and said, hello, wait a minute, what's going on? I found myself kind of shirking back and saying, well, you know, don't worry about it. You know, he, he, he didn't mean what he said or whatever. But, yeah, I don't think that's acceptable now. And, and I'm glad it's not acceptable now mm. because we are just as valid in the workplace as they are, just as valid in leadership as, as, as men are. And so nobody deserves to be treated poorly like that like you're a boss and you hear it over and over again it's really really quite annoying and I think there's there's definitely something for me in the language that's used and I know we talk a lot about the power of language generally but there's something that I think where it's not it's not intent quite often it's not intentional but it's no. just I don't think it is no and and it's just done in a way that I think is actually said sometimes probably with the best intentions, but that you know would never be said if it was two men talking. And I'm going to share a story now, which you're both already aware of, where I had a few instances in the last year or so where I had opinions and I was, you know, quite clear on certain beliefs and, and what I think is right and what I think is wrong in terms of our profession. And I had two instances from two different men one was on the phone and one was on over email, where they both said to me pretty much exactly the same language. I'm sure ordinarily you're a really good person. However, in this case, you know, you're wrong. And 
it was interesting that both of them chose to use this language. One, like I said, on the phone and one that was on email. The one that was email was more, I know ordinarily you're a good person. <laughs> However, and I just think at the time, it it really struck me because I was like, I am a good person. So you just need to go away. <laughs> But when it was on the phone, you kind of have to address it quite head on. And I wasn't really prepared for somebody on the phone who I didn't really know to say, you know, I don't know you and I'm sure ordinarily you're a good person. Because I was like, what a weird phrase to use, like, because I don't agree with something you've said. And I just, even now, I think I can't ever imagine someone saying that. I can't imagine two men having that conversation. Now, if there are men listening to this who are going, oh, absolutely. I've had a male colleague come to me and say, hey, James. I know ordinarily you're a really good person. However, on this case, you're wrong. I can't, you know, I can't see that happening. And I think that is not okay because actually what they were trying to do was belittle me to the point where I would back down and agree with them, which I was not going to do. And that took a huge amount of courage, especially with the one on the phone, to kind of stand my ground. And in the end said, look, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Not about the fact I'm a good person because I'm great. (laughs) I'm good with that. (laughs) However... We are going to have to agree to disagree on, you know, what we're having a discussion about. And and I'm okay with that. But it's those kind of phrases that I think are dangerous because I, I don't think they're intentional. I've had another one where a man said to me, as a compliment, you're, you know, you're wise beyond your years. <laughs> and, and at first instinct, you go, oh, that's a really nice thing to say. <laughs> I might use that on my marketing material. <laughs> and then you go... Hmm, do I want to use that? Or is that actually a little bit patronizing? Because <laughs> it's a little bit patronizing. And it, but it's not said with that in as an intention. I know it's not. You know, I know it's said with a, you know, most people, you know, that I'm talking to are a lot older and you say the same things as them. That's, you know, that's the link because I know that person, but it's still that, oh, she's really wise beyond her years. <laughs> oh, shucks. Thanks. <laughs> well, I mean, I I think, I think. And, and often wonder if this is about conditioning on their part, that they're so conditioned to have a certain viewpoint about women, in the especially women in the workplace, that there's this kind of ingrained thing, a little bit like when we talk about biases and how something is so deep-seated in somebody that they think that really, are women really kind of supposed to be in the workplace? Are they supposed to be forceful? Are they supposed to lead or have an opinion, or be quite direct and all the rest of it. It's it's almost like that kind of, is it that they're so conditioned into thinking that actually we don't have a right to have a voice or we don't have a right to be in this space? Because I've, what I have experienced is where there's a general kind of, almost like I'm invisible in the room. You know, Mm. I've been in board meetings where you sit down and you pipe up at a point and it's almost like I'm invisible because yes. suddenly they've all listened to what I've said, but then they just move straight on. As yes. if say, I didn't say anything. And then later, somebody else in the room, a man most likely, says, brings up what I said as an idea. And then it's like, oh, yeah, that's a great thing. We should be doing that. <laughs> and I kind of sit there and thinking... I must be invisible. I must be kind of like a little fly on the wall or something and whispering in people's ears or something because I really don't understand why, why it is that my voice wasn't heard in that. And I think it's it's all around being people being patronising toward, towards us and that they're conditioned in this kind of behaviour 
but as you said, I don't actually think it's intentional. I don't think it's like, oh, let's 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 say this to women to make them feel bad. I don't. I really don't think it's mm. one of those. I things. think some of the, some of my "you're a good person" was was to make me feel bad. That was definitely. Oh, well, yeah, was, you're, that yeah, was a that definite. One. Like, I'm coming at you. The wise beyond her years. I'm just taking it as a misguided compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it is it, you know what that scenario that you just shared with me Trudy about people not you know taking your ideas when they're your ideas in in the in the room I seem to have some kind of trigger with that because uh, as you can imagine I I have to say something if I feel like I've said an idea and then two minutes and three minutes later everyone ignores it but then two or three minutes later sorry somebody else says it I can't help but say but I've just said that I literally just said what he just said five minutes ago. And and that's just something, I think that's because of fairness, right? You Both of you know yeah. my fairness uh, value is so strong. <laughs> that I, can, I can't, for the detriment, for everything that goes on in my life, for the detriment of all of that, I can't help but just to step in and say that for myself, right? I have recognised my errors in not stepping in for other women when that happens. And I think that's a lesson that I've learned over the years that, when it's to do with me, I'm like, no, 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 that's my idea. What are you doing? But when other women have said it and other men have taken over, I reflected and thought, I've never actually stood in and gone, but Sandra or Mary or Joanna, just she just said that. You know, mm. and I just think sometimes I feel, and there are times where I wish, because of the confidence I have in my own credibility and my own values and, and all that, that I wish I used it a little bit more to step in for women in the room as well men should do it right I 100% believe that if you know we always say the allies you know the allies should step in and, and demonstrate what it's like to be a good ally and if they if a man in the room sees a woman being dismissed for her idea and then another colleague takes over they should really step in that space and say hang on a minute John you know Catherine just said that but I you know have to admit in all my years in sitting in these board meetings and leadership meetings and any meeting where that's happened I think once it's happened where a man has stepped in and said, no, that wasn't your idea. That was actually such a such a body's idea. And that was said about five, 10 minutes ago. That, and that's maybe it's the industry that I used to work in or people just don't pay. And I don't think it's malice. I don't think it's malice. I honestly don't. Not I think 80 percent is not malice, I don't think. But I just think it's just habit. It's just like people say to me is it because a woman and it's always a woman right is it because she didn't address herself properly is it because she didn't project her voice is it because she didn't you know follow up afterwards is it you know so why is it always down to the woman to make sure that her ideas are heard when I don't think a man necessarily goes through those steps potentially I just don't think people call things out enough in person in general in general like I just I don't think we're very good at knowing how to do that in a respectful way so that we can say actually do you know what that was you know Vita just said that and that was her idea you know we just we just don't seem very comfortable doing that we kind of just let things you know and I don't know whether that's because it's a bit of a British thing to you know we're very polite generally not all the time but there is this kind of you know we'll just let that we'll just let that go no one needs to no we just don't need to talk about that we'll just let that go and I think that is a bit of a cultural thing that we have where we just don't kind of step forward and say hang on a minute I think you'll find you know that was so-and-so's idea I wonder if it's different in different cultures and different countries whether there's a difference Don't it know. is it is different but then I do also think there there's something about all of us that just we're not we're just not used to speaking in the moment we're just not used to saying 
when something happens, a lot of the times we're just not used to being in that moment and saying, right, I need to address this right now. And if we do, sometimes we, we're not quite ready. So we waffle and come across in the wrong way because we're, we're not quite ready to be in that moment. And I wonder, it's so much about not being able to just speak when those things come up that we miss that moment and then it's gone. And then we can't, it's, it's like, you can't backtrack. Mm. I, I remember having this conversation with somebody about this whole thing about being speaking in the moment. And, and the conversation I was having was related to race and being in that setting where perhaps sometimes we should call things out immediately or be able to say something about something right away. But it, it applies here as well. You know, so many times I will be in a situation and in my head, it's, this is what I should say right now, you know, <laughs> and then out of my mouth comes, uh, mm. <laughs> that was just the sound, you know, just like, nothing. <laughs> and I, and then I, then afterwards I, I could write an epitaph of all the things I should have said and then beat myself up about the fact that I haven't said anything and the fact that I didn't get my voice heard in that moment. So, you know, I think there's a whole thing about us learning how to be a little bit more direct, a little bit more immediate in yeah. how we speak speak about things. Uh, it's it's a fear though, isn't it, True? Like, you know, yeah. the women I've spoken to, it's a fear of looking silly or the fear of being called sensitive or, oh gosh, aren't you? I mean, how many, how many people who are listening today have been called, you know, if they raise something, oh gosh, don't be sensitive about it. Don't be emotional about it. And even some men to an extent, you know, some men who were like supporting the, the, the situation and cause I've, I have heard some men being referenced as you're a bit a bit emotional there you need to kind of don't don't get emotional it's like it's almost the wrong thing to be but it's not about being emotional and it's not about being sensitive it's about making sure that your voice is heard in that room and I think we fear that element of emotion and vulnerability sometimes in in a, in a conversation so we often we, we question ourselves so much in our minds that when the, when we're ready to speak we either fluff it, fluff it up, like you said, Trude, and we waffle and we don't get to our point, or we we do come across, you know, my 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 volume goes an octave higher. I speed up, you know, <laughs> I get I get a bit ragey, my tone changes. It sounds like you're like <laughs> you get really angry. I get really, I get so like I can sense it, and I, it's had to, you know, over time, it's it's like trying to coach it out of me, but if something triggers you you can go, you know, can go that way. And I was listening to a, a book that Jenny recommended, another brilliant book by Mrs. Field, Mel Robbins is 54321, the five second rule. Uh, and Mel in her book, because I listened to it all weekend, she talks about making sure that your point is heard and counting down from five to one. So giving your time for your brain to kind of catch up with your mouth, basically. So you can speak with, with you know, with eloquence if you want to. Uh, and get your point across it in the right way because sometimes I think what Mel Robbins says is that you either you either come up too quickly and, it, and you don't say it uh, as effectively as you want it to or your moment passes and you don't say anything at all and then you do what you know we've all done what Trudy explained there where you're driving home and you're like doing the scenarios in your head well I would have said this and I would have said that and this would have <laughs> happened and that would have happened like literally playing it out which is just a pointless exercise at the time unless unless you're going to go back and follow it up. So Jenny, those two men who said to you, but you are a good person. I suppose if you went back to them uh, maybe 24 hours later and said, 
what did you mean by that? I've been reflecting on it. What did you mean by that? I wonder how they would be, how they take it in terms hmm. of, I wonder how, what they would have said. I mean, I'm, I'm, make, I'm knowing the two men that you're referencing, <laughs> well, we're not going to name names. <laughs> I think they would just would have been like, what she's talking about? Like she's, she's well, they, t- might, they, may have, they may have kind of said something like, I, what thing that I said, I don't even remember. You know, mm. that, that, you know, having selective memory, you know, it, it's it's one of the things people have because they say, again, they say things without thinking about what they're saying to people. So back to Jenny's point, it wasn't intentional. So you just said it without even thinking about it. Which I get when you're on the phone. I think when you're writing emails saying, you know, you're a good person ordinarily. I've had other, you know, I've had other emails, you know, you'll either, you'll either support me on this or I'll publicly, you know, shame you. I mean, brilliant. Thanks very much. But I do think, I think when it's written, it's worse, personally. But I also, as a, as a person, I just remove myself from those, whether, and it doesn't matter what that situation is. So I've been in meetings, I'm quite well known for being in conferences. And if I, I'm really struggling with what's being said on the stage, I just walk out. And I've been in meetings, or I've just... I've just left the room and I've had some feedback that says that's really not great you know from a maturity perspective you should learn to stay there and listen to it but a bit like you would be with your kind of fairness thing if I get so enraged I, I will kind of cry out of the frustration which is not a helpful emotion a lot of the time <laughs> so also I cannot be very nice so I'm just going to take myself out of this situation because I don't want to say anything I'm going to regret. I don't want to get unnecessarily emotional about something that is just a real frustration. So I'm going to take myself away and then I'm going to come back. Now, I'm quite a big supporter of that generally from a mental health perspective of removing yourself from situations that aren't great for you. But that's generally my approach. So with the, with the emails and with these instances, I just, ta- I just don't reply. I just take myself out of that equation, which, again, isn't helping us change behavior and move things forward. But also, it's not a conversation I feel I need to have. I don't really care in terms of that opinion of me. It doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change how I feel about myself. It actually, if anything, makes me think differently about those individuals and their approach to to women and their approach to being questioned. And it reflects more on them than it does on me. But my response is always to just step away and not, you know, go in and fight. I can identify with that because I've, so many times I think about how harsh I will come across if I say what's on my mind in that moment. So I do, I do have a tendency to to feel the same way that it's better for me to just walk away and not say anything rather than say something and then feel that I'm going to be judged by what I say, because it's, because what I've said is pretty harsh and direct. So as a result, I do step away from things, but that doesn't mean it's right. Um, I think I, I think it's certainly we all need to come to the place where we're a little bit like what Advita said about Mel Robbins. You know, we are thinking enough that our brain is caught up with our mouths and we're able to say the right thing at the right time. Mm. I think we should we should almost kind of aspire to get to that place because that's a way more healthier because you can't we can't be like hard on men about their behavior towards us in the boardroom or in leadership if we're not willing to call them out about it because one of the things that women don't do that we should do at every point is challenge and if we if you think about it you get far more respect from challenging things than from being quiet so I think I think there's a little learning curve even for myself you know that I need to kind of move into a space of being a little bit more, a little bit more thinking around that. 
to say, grab onto some of the fairness that you guys have. <laughs> I, do, <laughs> I do have it as well, but also not stepping back when I when I shouldn't step back and and really kind of just taking the bull by the horns and saying, do you know what? That wasn't right. And maybe you need to adjust what you just said. Priya and I had a, Priya Bates, um, those of you who don't know, is a communicator based in Canada, but uh, we work together on a leader like me as well. But Priya and I had a conversation about calling in and calling out and, and, and when is the right thing to do one or the other, right? And I think a lot of, and I think, you know, if it, what, on what you just said, Trudy, about stepping into that space so we can change the behaviour so other women don't have to have that kind of behaviour from those individuals in the future is what drives me to say something in the moment, I suppose. I, I always think about if I can make that human being, that man, whoever, change their perception a little bit, then maybe next time they won't say that. I mean, it's, oh. it's going to take a lot more than me just having a bit of a, a conversation with them. I know that. But Priya said, you know, in, in this calling in, calling out, is that sometimes you may just need to call them in, like with Jenny, like have that one-on-one -on -one conversation and say, this was inappropriate for you to say this for X, Y, and Z reasons. Other times, though, I do think when there's individuals or a group of individuals are doing something over and over again, that is when you need that collective community, right? That's when women need to get together and be very supportive of each other. I think that's what drove the Me Too movement, right? Mm. In Hollywood. Hollywood was notorious, notorious for their poor behaviours. We all chatted about it, remember when it first came out, mm -hmm. is that yeah. it took one woman to say, I'm not, I'm not putting up with this anymore. And, th and then loads of other stories came out. Mm. And it, it did take that one brave individual to step into that space and 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 not worry, I suppose about the consequences of her actions and sometimes I think like you said Trudy that we're all very cautious about not upsetting people and making sure we're doing things properly and being very British about it but sometimes when things are really really bad especially in certain organizations you may want to as if any women are listening it's a case of how do we work collectively to change this behavior that we're experiencing on a day in day out basis in this organization or in this certain situation because there is absolutely my in my world, there's no excuse at all for anyone being treated differently, regardless of age, sexuality, race, gender, all that, right? I'm very, very, very passionate about that. And that's where my fairness thing comes in. But I also recognise that you can't do it on your own. Like, mm. it's, you, it's a lonely place. And I think a lot of the time, because you don't see other people who, who are like you, like women who identify as women, who are not stepping into that space and supporting that conversation, sometimes you do convince yourself, is it just me then? Mm. Is it just me? And maybe it's me. And then that, that's when we talk about imposter syndrome and lack of self-esteem and self, you know, worth. And it, it just spirals out of control. And before you know it, you're at this stage where you start questioning everything about who you are. And before we get to that point, I think, you know, I'm call, I'm doing a call out. I feel like I'm on this kind of soapbox in uh, Hyde Park <laughs> with a little channeling, channeling all those amazing women who have made changes. Like, you know, I'm not going to compare myself to any of those amazing women. Who are ridiculous. <laughs> I was just going to name a few. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But you know what I mean? It's like, yes. I just hope that anyone who's listening to us, who ever feels that they're on their own and, and doesn't have anywhere and they can, they can talk to or talk openly that they do connect with either one of us three yeah. or three of us yeah. collectively because I don't think anyone should ever have to be alone in yeah. their fight or to get justice and if you're struggling with that then I want you to rest assured that there are people who are thinking the same way which is why this podcast episode is so important yeah yeah so we're at that 
time of the podcast episode where we go into our tips and advice. I'm trying to think about really, really for me, it's about the fact that we've all experienced some of these things and there will be women, you know, working their way through organisations who maybe haven't experienced anything like this. And they're kind of where, you know, maybe I was probably about five years ago. I was like, this is fine. I've got no idea what anyone's talking about. Now I can see what everyone's talking about. And so it's thinking about that advice of, you know, for those women that are working their way up or experiencing it now, what's the advice to, to help us to help us move things forward, I suppose. And I think, you know, for me, there is something about calling out that behaviour, but in a proactive way that drives change. And I've got ideas bubbling away in my head about how I'm going to do that because I'm quite about the long game, which isn't particularly helpful when you need to take action. But I think there are ways we could do things that are more positive to help us drive change. I don't want to start calling out every single person that's saying something (laughs) they shouldn't say. (laughs) Because like you said, it's not intentional. But I do think that, you know, like you were saying, Advita, maybe putting someone to one side and saying, look, just so that you know, this kind of language isn't isn't really OK. And I can see what you're trying to do, but it's it's not really, you know, how I like to be spoken to. So I'm just letting you know that that takes quite a lot of courage to even have that conversation and say that. But I do think there is a need probably to just start thinking about whether or not you feel comfortable to say it. I think the other thing for me is working out what's acceptable to you. And I talk about this quite a lot generally of what's acceptable to me is not going to be acceptable to you. You know, there was a man in an office years ago who used to touch my shoes. I tell this story quite a lot. Everyone <laughs> everyone finds it really weird. I mean, they were like fancy shoes, but he would just, you know, touch them. And I was kind of okay with that. Like it really didn't bother me at all. Whereas other people are horrified that this man he asked he didn't just randomly suddenly touch a shoe anyway I digress <laughs> you know I, I was all right with it but other people it's not okay so you've got to find what's what's in your boundary and what's acceptable to you and what isn't and I think as a woman in leadership it's really important to be consistent with those boundaries and be clear what they are for you because it will give you that strength to deal with people who are going to call you a, a good person yeah. while insulting you. On that man who touched your shoes, did he, touch, <laughs> did he just touch your shoes or did he touch other people's shoes? I don't, I don't, no one else talked about him touching their shoes. He oh, would quite just openly you? touch my shoes in front of other people. And they might be, you know, I had shoes that were just like a black patent or they might have been like my multicolored sort of snakeskin shoe or, you know, I've got weird shoes, right? So there's, there is that, they're not just like a plain okay suede do they were always a different color no one else talked about it he might have done so no wow wow <laughs> i can definitely say i would have handled that very differently which is why it's important it depends on who it depends on who it is yeah yeah i did know him he wasn't like some no. random bloke random I just, bloke come I, I, no i don't <laughs> care <laughs> i'd be just absolutely horrified no, like, no, like, no. no doesn't matter no. who it is don't touch me at all. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think the whole thing around boundaries is really, really important. And what you said, Jenny, was so spot on. We need to find what we're comfortable with. There's something about being very present and, and practicing presence, being present in a room. And that will help us to be a little bit more immediate, a bit more more kind of speaking in the moment and saying what we need to say. But also, I think some of that needs to be measured. It's also about not going OTT and and I'm just going to say it, be sen- being oversensitive because we can all be oversensitive, male, female, everybody. So it's just about being conscious about how you 
process things when you see something happening, how you process what you're going to do about it and how you're going to speak to that person, which is why I love what Advita said about kind of visiting the person afterwards and having that conversation, because that's given you a little bit of time mm. to, to let everything settle and for you to think about it and for you, for you to even kind of bounce it off somebody else. That little thing of kind of bouncing something off somebody else and saying, do you know what? This is what I thought when this was said. Am I right? Or, you know, what do you think? And, and that in itself helps us. And, and also kind of getting some people alongside you that support you, really. I have had kind of male and female people support me in meetings when it's been tough. Stand up for me, which is lovely. And, you know, part of that is because of relationship and because they understood who I was and they understood how I worked. So it was easy for them to stand up and say, well, actually, no, that's that's not what Trudy meant, or that's this is what Trudy is saying. So I think there's something about relationship as well in there. I think building on what Trudy just said, you know, for me, I'm going to give some really practical examples because I do know this does happen frequently from the conversations I've had. So if, for example, you walk into a room and you're one of the only, only women there, you may be asked, for example, to go and make the tea or take the minutes or oh, yeah. take the actions this is this is common practice I know this is just, mm-hmm. it does happen in my experience and I've been asked to do this in the past I always push back and I always will say like for example if I have to go, if I it's the first time I'm going to see a meeting and someone said to me go make the tea I will go make the tea I'm fine with that because I want a cup of tea if they ask me again second time I'll be like I made the tea last time I think it's someone else's turn to do it Jack why don't you go make the tea like, would you be happy to make the tea even if you didn't want a cup of tea no, then I would say I don't want to drink. Thanks, though. Like, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. like I do. I have said that. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm okay. Thanks. I don't need a drink. And then that, that's when I can see them getting a bit like, who is she? <laughs> but you have to, that takes, you know, that takes a bit of, you have to know the people in room and you have to judge the situation. But I would still say, hold on to, it's hard, hold on to it, but say it. Just say, yeah. oh, I'm okay for a hot drink. If you want to see them, I can speak to your PA and maybe she can get you one. Or I'll speak to X, Y, and Z outside and maybe they can get you one. The minute thing, I will always say, I cannot contribute to this meeting if you're asking me to take minutes and I have things I need to contribute so I can't concentrate. So either we take the meeting, if there's no one here to take the minutes so people can reference back if everyone's comfortable with that, or we call in one of the executive assistants whose job it is to take the minutes and they can take the minutes for us. If that's that's no option, then it's a rotating, right? So you'd be like, I don't mind taking the actions today, but then next meeting, I would prefer if X, Y, and Z, you know, we took it in turns. If you're listening and you're like, oh, it's okay for her to say that. But it, if you say it, nobody is going to shoot you down, I don't think, and say, and, and be that unreasonable, unless you work for an absolute archaic organisation, then you may want to consider your life choices at that time. Because you, just, <laughs> you can't put up with that kind of behaviour, not in this day and age, not at all. So that's practical advice like number one the second thing is definitely if you feel like someone has spoken to you poorly or spoken to you differently than because of either your gender your your, uh, sexuality your race whatever then please go and speak to them afterwards I think that's really important that you do that and and if you're uncomfortable about it or you think you may have been a bit oversensitive for example then speak to your leader or speak to someone that you trust like Trudy said your sponsors in the in the in your organization and say to them this was a situation this is how I felt what do you think you know am I am I am I imagining it should I go and speak to them 
And when you do go and speak to them, make sure that you use uh, I words, right? So always put their feelings of how you felt on you. So when you spoke to me like that in that meeting, I felt very uncomfortable and, and, and I felt undervalued. So I really wanted to speak to you about how we can make sure that we can work better together in the future. And I think that's really important because as soon as you kind of go in on attack mode, which I've done, I'm not going to lie, and say, how dare you? How dare you speak to me like that? Who do you, you know, who do you think you are? And as you can say, I've had those rants before. <laughs> <laughs> In your, in your you kind of high-pitched, really speedy way. Yes, <laughs> yes. But I've, I've learned, and, and our best friend, Brené, has been catalyst in me learning about those, you know, rumbling conversations and asking people and using the I word. So highly recommend you, you read her stuff, but also use that kind of language. And, and the last uh, tip I would give you is you're not alone in feeling the way you feel and your experiences are valid. So whether you whether you think whether people around you may think that you're being a bit oversensitive or whatever, log it, log log the information, log when it happened, what happened, what was said. Keep a track of it because that evidence and that data will help you, help you be more concise with what you're saying, help you with the confidence bit when you're saying it. Because when you look at the the list of things that are going on, it will it will give you that kind of boost thinking this isn't on. And also it's a it's it's a great way of if you have to, I hope nobody ever has to, but if you do have to go down the whistleblowing or HR route, then you've got a load of evidence with you. So rather than this whole he said, she said, they said kind of situation, which we can often fall into, keep a track, just keep a track, a little diary of when these things happen, how you felt at that time. And that will really help you kind of have those conversations, whether you're calling it in with that individual or you're calling it out with your HR person. And it, it can make a massive difference to, to how you're kind of seen in the business as well. I love that simplicity of calling in, calling out. I think it's just yeah. it's just such a nice way of phrasing it to just, like, you don't have to call everything out, you know, no. all the time. Yeah. You can do stuff yeah. just, you know, just between you and yeah. them. And I think that's, that's nice. Exactly. You can do it in a high-pitched, you know, fast-paced yeah. way. Yeah. Fast-paced work. <laughs> but yeah. You can do yeah. it quietly. Yeah. Maybe I'll practice that as well. <laughs> <laughs> listening to this episode we hope you enjoyed it if you have any ideas for future episodes then just let us know on any of our social platforms and don't forget to rate us where you've listened to us you can also leave us a review on apple podcasts